Hello, welcome to Skies and Currents. I'm here with Christina. Today is uh, Saturday, February 10th, and we're going to talk about the week ahead. Hello, Christina. Hi, Tess. How are you doing? Hi. I think, okay, I think. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> um, I am okay as well. Yesterday, I was less okay. Um, just like pulling up the chart because I want to see where the moon is right now. But the last, like that Aquarius moon yesterday just completely wrecked me. Like I was, I was devastated. <laughs> I was like Aww. ready to completely give up on life. Um, so it was just one of those extremely um, emotional new moons for me. I think because I have my moon in Aquarius. So it was the first um it was the first lunation in Aquarius where um with Pluto and a Pluto moon like transit is no joke like it kind of mm-hmm. uh it's pretty brutal I think um or one of the more brutal possible Pluto configurations um and that's when Pluto comes to sit on your moon when the moon transits Pluto, that's no big deal. That happens like once a month. So that's sort of just mm-hmm. like a a funny day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have Pluto coming to sit on my moon, which is in the early degrees of Aquarius for a very long time. <laughs> oh. um, and this is the first lunation um, on top of that new configuration for me. And it was just a million times more challenging than I was expecting. Like it was just devastating. Um, but hopefully it won't be like that every year. I know. I'll have I, twenty yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then you were, and then you were sick too. And I knew you had been sick last week, but I didn't like realize how sick you were because I didn't see you until yesterday when we did the meetup with everybody. And I was like, oh no, we should have maybe like canceled this because on this I felt so bad like that I hadn't been aware. Oh no, it was like up and down thing. Um and yesterday was really like the worst day. And yeah, it was just devastating. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who I am in the world. Why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Like, nothing is working. Like, I don't know. It was just a disaster of an emotional day. Um, But I just looked at the chart because I was curious to see where the moon is now. And indeed, the moon has cleared Aquarius and we're at three degrees of Pisces now. So that probably is contributing to why I do feel like I'm starting to feel better. Um, yeah, I mean, I physically feel much better and, um, Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah, it was, it was a horrible two days really, but, um, yesterday was the worst. Thursday was my son's birthday. So I think that's part of why I felt so bad on Friday is I kind of like pushed through for his birthday, like to be really Mm -hmm. present and, um, we didn't do anything that big, but I was just like, we were active all day and I, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. I f- I'm starting to feel better, but yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking a lot about, it made me think a lot about the moon and everything the moon represents. And first of all, your body. So um, 
like your physical needs, your physicality, uh, your orientation toward the physical world, but then your emotions, your emotional needs. Um, and then the moon also is the ruler of cancer. So whatever part of your chart that cancer is on or whatever house cancer rules, that's also, you know, the um, realm of the moon. And I was thinking about I, how I am a cancer sun. So essentially the moon has rulership over my sun as well. Mm-hmm. So Pluto coming to sit on my moon is kind oh, of like, in, yeah, impacting both all the significations of the moon and the moon's rulership over my sun, which is like, you know, the sun has this broad impact on like how you identify, who you are in the world, like your your path, you know, and, and your soul's kind of thrust through this life. So I think there's a lot of things are coming into question for me right now. And the lunation just broke it open um, in a new way. So I was not, it was not happy, <laughs> but it was accurate. Like when we talked about having to get rid of things in the last episode, right. um, mm-hmm. We talked about how this moon was sort of like going to challenge our ideas of the future and like maybe point out some things that we need to like get rid of in order to move forward. And Mm -hmm. I did like find that to be pretty true for me. Like I was pondering a lot of things that I need to let go of or change my orientation to in order to move forward. So, yeah. It was just a, a shitty day. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah. Our session was really nice, though. We had our um, mm-hmm. like live session last night, and that was definitely the best part of my day. We had like a nice attendance too. Um, I know we nice had a to- bunch of folks that aren't usually that were you know that aren't usually able to make it, but that we've been close with for years now like everybody yeah. came. it was really nice <laughs> yeah it was so that's like my favorite those group sessions I think are my favorite mm-hmm. part of being an astrologer because like I don't know and, and you are probably an interesting person to talk to about this specific thing but I've always had this like immense conflict with the idea of having a business around like any sort of spiritual practice Mm -hmm. um yeah and you know astrology isn't the totality of my spiritual practice but it's an element of it you know yeah and so I've always thought ideally like it would be so nice to just be able to give it away you know or Mm -hmm. just all donation based and for years that is pretty much what I did was like donation based practice And then I started selling, like having people pay for readings, mostly just because it was like such a huge amount of time and effort for me that I needed at least the person asking for a reading to be serious enough about it that they're Mm -hmm. willing to like pay some amount of money or else it's just a waste of time. Um, But I've always liked the idea of just like being my community's astrologer, like just being the person that everybody talks to about why why they feel like, why they feel any kind of way during a particular moment in time. 
And I feel most like that during these sessions because I'm just like, oh, everybody can come and ask me how it's hitting their chart directly. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is how astrology can be the most useful because, um, because if you're working on working with it, um, regularly and sort of tracking how it's hitting your chart, you get to know your own chart and you get to know the way different repeating cycles impact you. So you can start to expect how you might feel or um, anticipate like certain waves that are about to hit you. Um, So I really like it. I really like the casual environment. I really like just being able to talk um, spontaneously also Mm -hmm. give my impressions spontaneously is a nice like freeing part of it as well I think so I like it no I do too it's one of the things that um that I'm like well we can't stop doing that you know (laughs) like when I look at the schedule and how much output I'm trying to do in a month you know I'm like what could we let go I'm like yeah can't let go of this one yeah it's just it's really nice and it's also kind of a really nice organic way to catch up with everybody Um, yeah it's a super organic way (laughs) yeah and also like a nice a feeling of kind of camaraderie like we're all dealing with something even though we're dealing with it differently um yeah and it's also just a really pretty awesome group of people (laughs) which I think also makes it very nice you know it's like a really yeah yeah no and it's like a group that can totally grow too so like we invite all yeah. of our Substack subscribers so if anyone wants to join you're welcome mm-hmm. it's totally free and it's just like a really nice, it's almost like a little support group <laughs> it is um, and I always I'm, do it and I, I feel always like awkward with new people because I never know how much I should talk to them do you know what I mean like, I don't know if when you come in, you would rather that you are just kind of like there without being called out, especially in like a Zoom meeting, you know, because it's a little bit different. Or if I should be like, hi, who are you? What's going on with you? Which is not also part of my personality. So it feels awkward, like wrong for me as well. Um, but, you know, please come in and join the conversation. Um, if that's what you'd like to do or come in and just observe until you feel like you want to jump in either way. It's just, it's one of those like human conundrums, right? Like anybody who's ever been to church or been to like Mm -hmm. any social (laughs) setting or anything, it's like what everybody has a different feeling of like, uh, what they would prefer or how they would like to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I feel like we have had less and less practice over the years with um, like in navigating that dynamic, you know, I mean, COVID, especially just in the last five years, social media, we've all gotten used to sort of being separated out from each other. And it is like such, it's just one of those awkwardnesses that I think humans have always had to deal with and accept um and navigate and we as a culture have just gotten worse and worse at it because we have less and Mm -hmm. less practice but I do really appreciate people who um like I guess one of the skill sets I've always admired in certain people is like this the willingness to accept 
the inevitable awkwardness of life. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to this person and I'm going to see, I'm going to feel out how they feel about being talked to. And if they want to mm-hmm. be invited closer into this conversation, if they don't, and just being like, it's an awkward thing that we all have to do to mm-hmm. like get to know each other and spend time together and form community. And I actually like Zoom more than I ever thought I would because if we can't get together at in person, it's at least like a forum where people yeah. can sort of have community. Mm-hmm. And the intercurrents community that cropped up over Zoom in COVID is was like a lifesaver. Like I don't think I would have been able to get through that year oh, without it. I'm so glad to hear that. I yeah, I mean it was it was very unexpected, like how great it ended up being and also how much I actually see everybody in person and how much we all see each other yeah. in person is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I started meditating with a bunch of strange, like literal strangers. I mean, you and Jeffrey were the only people I knew in those groups. And we started meditating together every Saturday and you started adding on additional times and diff- additional like events. Mm-hmm. And now most of those people I would count among my closest friends. Oh, that's so nice. So Yeah, I mean, for me, it really worked out because it was a lot of my closest friends that all started joining their own. <laughs> individual relationships. So I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, this is great. Um, Yeah, it just it was. uh, Yeah, it was kind of a wonderful thing, because we had all that time during COVID, we were all at home. And so I was just like, all right, we'll just do four meditations a week, whatever, you know, we have nothing else going on, let's go for it. And yeah, and I'm really happy that um, that everyone gets along so well and has become so close. And when I find out about, you know, folks meeting or, you know, even moving close to each other. Yeah. Right now it's yeah. just, it's, it's pretty neat. It was never, you know, we were very like anti-community when we, when we started <laughs> because we didn't want it to be, we just didn't want it to be a high control group. Right. So it was like, yeah. there can't be social pressure. Like there can't yeah. be any kind of, social power dynamic or social pressure or anything that we're encouraging that's going to make people feel obligated or stuck or um shamed or ostracized or like they have to stay or like you know like anything like that and so you know we were like this isn't a community and now it's i just we we were (laughs) we're not we can't control what happens and it's been really nice what what has kind of happened organically that's just a really good testament to like what humans can create when we all trust each other and just like Mm -hmm. move through like accepting everyone for who they are because everyone in this Mm -hmm. group is very different and not trying to control what anyone does with their life or have Mm -hmm. any expectations with what they do with their life but just sort of like it's it is a sort of like radical acceptance kind of approach right you know and Mm -hmm. you're just being present with people and like learning how to love people in a context where there's no expectation of being the same or having the Mm -hmm. same kind of life and and maybe there is like a little bit of uh there's a there are some similarities in the in this group I mean it's all people Mm -hmm. oriented toward like spiritual practice so there's that but 
but it is, you know, control often becomes like a key feature of group dynamics. I don't know what it is about human beings that, you know, uh, that's oriented toward that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's hard not to, to have a community without any aspect of control. And it has to yeah. be like super conscious, I think, but it is really special when everyone is committed to that. Um, and willing to just be present with awkwardness, be present with things that <laughs> you do like and things that you don't like, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. Well done, Tess. That's a wonderful group. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is, you know, what's funny is that I don't, um, I don't experience like, pride very often or I don't feel I don't feel bad about myself or about my work or about the things that I do I guess but I also don't feel particularly like man I didn't do a grade or I nailed it or I'm really proud of, like I don't really experience that kind right. of reflection on anything which is fine I'm not unhappy with it but when I think about like um what I've been doing I feel the most affirmed in it based on the people that yeah have kind of come into this and that are um because because not only is everyone people like they're all people that I really like and that I also really respect and um you know we all have our own like we're not all doing the same spiritual work or oriented in the same spiritual way. So everyone's doing their own unique thing and watching everybody really, really deeply engage with that and also think about it as much as people do, you know, like it's not, it's not even just that people are showing up and doing it. It's like, there's this whole big internal processing, mental, emotional, physical that, everyone is engaging with um and that is really really cool (laughs) to me I'm like that makes me feel like okay this was a good thing to do um and I'm really just thrilled to have these friends now like this is kind of like you know I didn't expect to have friends um (laughs) (laughs) after (laughs) because I went through some really weird stuff (laughs) and yeah I, I didn't think that I didn't know how it was going to land. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like after we, you know, graduated from high school, I just went really AWOL, right? I just went in this really strange tra- trajectory. And yeah, um, I had like all the psychic stuff opening up. And then I just went through my first big kind of Samadhi experience, which was um like just incredibly blissful but also you know you can't you couldn't talk to people about it yeah. really and it was just very like I didn't have anyone in my life at that time that I could talk to about it and then um later I met Jeffrey and he helped me kind of just define what I was doing and kind yeah. of be like and, and kind of validate like oh no you can just do this this can just be what your life is and you can build on this and and no one and at yeah. that point had, I had no idea that that was possible so yeah. for him to kind of 
give me permission to then be like, no, you can just make this about your life. I was like, well, that's what my life is. This is it. And then, you know, the, the big samadhi where I really was no longer um, <laughs> able to do yeah. anything for a window of time. I, you know, I, I really just didn't think that I was going to have friends, um, friends or anybody or community that, I could really that could. Talk to. Yeah. And I was just so thankful yeah. for the fact that I had Jeffrey that I could talk to about it and that could kind of understand it and support me through it. And then that I had people like you and Kevin that were just kind to me, which to me at the time felt like just an act of generosity <laughs> that you were just so nice to your oh, so friend. Funny. I know. <laughs> no, we always loved you so much. Yeah. I, I remember talking to you at that time and <laughs> I have a really specific memory of, I mean, obviously I was with you a lot, but I have a really specific memory of asking you about your meditations and you were like, oh, you know, yeah, it's just really blissful. And it's my, you know, one of my favorite things to do. And, and I was like, yeah, like how long, how long do you like do these meditations? Like how long do you go inside for? Like, you know, how, how what do you experience? You're like, uh, you know, I don't know. I think you said at the time, you're like, yeah, it might take me like an hour to really sink in deep. And then, you know, just like sometimes 20 times, times 30 hours. I was like, what? <laughs> like, it just sounds like, what do you mean? Like, how is that even possible? I like, well, no, I couldn't. I, <laughs> I couldn't move very well. And this is when it's really, it sounds concerning. Um, so it's hard to talk about, but it, it is traditional. And we do have other accounts of people that did the practice that I was doing and that had the results that I had. And obviously I'm fine, but yeah, but I couldn't, I mean, it was easy to sit for 30 hours because walking was very hard. Walking was like impossible. Um, I didn't have any, it was, I didn't have depth perception. I didn't have like very good proprioception. I wasn't, my mind was very like empty. Like, so I couldn't always recall what was, happening around me um and it wasn't all the time and it felt like much longer than it actually was because um time gets super dilated which you've experienced also so for me it felt like an eternity but it it wasn't it was probably just a couple months of this but it was a weird it was a weird couple months it was like the whole world it was like i mean and i still have this but i've gotten used to it but there's a really commonly accepted um, belief in a lot of different spiritual orientations that the world is an illusion, right? Like this is the Maya, this is not real and we're just processing it as, and, and I, I'm not saying that it's not consequential, right? Like obviously it is real and the things, the way that we interact with it is consequential, but there is a degree to which we are believing that it's a lot harder and firmer and stable and yeah you know than it actually is fixed it, fixed yeah but when i was that was like one of maybe the biggest things was like the whole world looked like fake like just absolutely fake like it was like a sensory experience of the whole thing being an illusion um and then trying to figure out how to get my body to interact with it <laughs> was just hilarious i remember actually i um we lived on um in this little weird 
but very cute property up in Topanga Mountains where they did ayahuasca ceremonies. And we were living in like a little airstream with no power, electricity, you know, anything. And then from there we moved into a, yeah. And then from there we moved into like a plywood shack that had um, extension (laughs) cords running to it Uh and like a cement bathroom, which was lovely. I really enjoyed living there. I'm not even joking, but we didn't do (laughs) ayahuasca at the time, especially because of whatever, everything I was going through, but they were very, very kind and they would invite us to their dinners afterward. And um, I saw this woman walking through the kitchen in like slow-mo, just, you know, totally zoned out kind of, but also clearly concentrating very hard, moving in slow motion, taking these slow steps and these slow movements to get where she, and I was like, oh man, sister, I just feel you so hard right now. (laughs) That's exactly how (laughs) how it was for a little window of time where it was just like uncalibrated um yeah it's it's fascinating because i i remember this period so clearly and just like not having any ability to have any context for what was what you're going through and just feeling like something really fucking weird is happening with Tess. but (laughs) (laughs) i trust tess I like Jeffrey. Like, I don't trust him 100%. Yeah, yet, yeah, but yeah. I like him. He's, it seems like he's got a good heart. You know, I, I now would trust Jeffrey with my life for sure. But, like, you know, I had just sort of was getting Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was new. I trust yeah. Tess. I like Jeffrey. He's got a good heart. I'm like, whatever they're doing, like, it's cool. Um, but it was just like I had no ability to relate. And now it's just so interesting because now that I've been through my own, like, much smaller um, or, like, they're like similar openings but nowhere near as like deep or as like long lasting as what you went through but it's like oh, okay yeah I can understand that feeling of like not being able to move your body or like the strange like mm-hmm. sinking weight mm-hmm. of like yeah. falling into this uh inside of yourself or into the subtle and um and I just can't I can't imagine what it would be like to have those experiences elongated over such a long period of time or, you know, like forever. <laughs> like, I mean, I think it's when I look at like pictures of the like uh, gurus or um, heavy hitter spiritual guys um, from the 20th century. I think it's always funny how some of them look like they're always squinting. You know, like they, what, no matter what, like any picture, any picture of them, um, they always look like their eyes are sort of scrunched. They look like, oh God, like the light, there's too much light. It's like hurting. It's like painting, paint, it's mm-hmm. painting them. And yeah. I'm always like, that's the real deal right there. Like that fucking guy. When reality <laughs> like, is just jarring. I know. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because we have this really common misconception about spirituality that it's all the same and that it's all one thing and that all paths lead to the same place and it's all yeah. and it's like no there's a million things you can do there's a million things you can do um and i've done a handful of things you know yeah and for some people any one of those handful of things is like enough and that's like where they're at and that's wonderful and but then there's but for me it's like I'm like oh, I'm not even close to where 
where I would ultimately <laughs> like to be. <laughs> Just looking yeah. at the people, squinting, at, not able to. But then, but, yeah. Yeah, but you, and then you have to think in the, about the cost of that because, like, you know, those guys, <laughs> you know, squinting at the bright light, like, you know, just perceiving, you know, God mm-hmm. and everything and just mm-hmm. all of reality, like the full illusion of reality and just like living in that. Well, you definitely can't like raise children in that. No, you, know, you can't have, <laughs> yeah, you can't have this mentality. It, it, it is actually a really interesting um, kind of process that, I come back to again and again because I don't I had to really consciously re-engage with my emotional body and it was really like which I'm saying is like a very vague way of describing something that is multifaceted and not really one thing but after I went into like you know after I had like the big samadhi experience I didn't have feel like I didn't feel anymore I just would, if anything like was uncomfortable or triggering, I just like ejected into bliss. It was just like this little shoot that just shot me up into this like bright light. And um, I had already done a lot of, um, like I'd already been doing um, kind of the, a lot of the inner healing work that I do with people, like that came before that. And I'd already done a lot of therapy with my super hardcore doesn't let you get away with shit therapist, Dr. Nikki Monty, who's still practicing if you want to go have your ass handed to you in LA. Um, she's awesome. But, you know, I'd already had that orientation with her. And I also had been really good friends with Jeffrey for a year before we got together, before this happened. So I had a lot of conversations with him about um, why people that are in positions of spiritual power do bad things right? Why they don't, there's, you know, just a million stories of people being taken advantage of, people being abused, people not being protected, people, um, you know, you know, it's just, it's a very, very common thing that happens. And we tend to either think, oh, they weren't actually accomplished. Right. Like, so what they were doing was fake or the whole experience of them was um, brainwashing or something like that. Or, it was okay what they did because they are on another level <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it was divinely okay for them to act this way. And so this was a conversation that we had had a bunch of times um, before I got to this point. And so one day we were talking about something and I heard anger in my voice and I was like, yeah. Oh shit, I don't feel that at all. I don't feel it like, but I can still act on it. Like, just because I'm not experiencing all of the different parts of my being in the same way anymore doesn't mean that they've disappeared, doesn't mean that they've resolved, doesn't mean that they've gone away. Um, So I kind of went inside and it was almost like um, mending two pieces of cloth back together, (laughs) like where I was like, I'm just going to like put this all back together. Um, And I feel like I back to how this conversation began about, you know, being a mother and perceiving the world a certain way and having a certain kind of relationship with the world. I feel like I'm very deliberately consciously trying to take this whole thing very seriously. (laughs) I feel like this (laughs) is (laughs) 
real yeah. and serious and consequential and um the uh the impact of what I do and what I say and how I am and I'm not I'm far away from where I'd like to be just to be clear but like I'm very yeah. aware that I have to be very conscious of that and that I have to take this seriously um and also there's something that's so important about respecting other people's experience of reality you know there's a lot of I think and I always say the word wrong is it prophylicizing 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 um I think that there's a weird there's something that's happened with the Christian culture getting transferred over into like new age beliefs where a lot of new yeah. age people just want to tell you what they believe or what you should believe. That's just a very common part of the culture. And so a big thing is they're always like, this just isn't real. Don't feel bad. It's just all in your head. Don't be negative. Like there's this whole kind of Don't be negative, conversation. Yeah. yeah. And it's, there is some, there is some truth to it, right? Like there are some good underlying principles that you could probably move into from that point but there's just also something so disrespectful about telling other people not to take their lives seriously or their experience of reality seriously um and so yeah can't can't go can't do it i have a really early memory from like the first year of the spiritual like work for me or I mean, I, I think my whole life has been like in in relation to trying to make sense of of the divine and you know have a relationship with God. And then in 2020 and 2021, it broke up in a new way, and my whole orientation changed because I started to have like baby versions of what the experience test was just describing is. And I have a I have a really specific memory of being inside and it was when I was first able to access like those big bliss states you know like first mm -hmm. able to like you said I, I have never been able to be clear to eject into the light or the bliss in the way that Tess talks about um Tess you know I'm nowhere even close to on the same you know well you have to I mean Tess has I'm, I but I was also like 20 years ahead of you so I don't want it yeah. to sound you know what I mean like I'm not I wouldn't no, no, no. I just want to like, be I clear started... with people. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> but I just want you to I, I like, just... oh, it's like, I'm better. I'm no, like, no, no, no. I just had a huge head start. I, you know. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. That's not like the orientation I'm coming from. I just want to be clear that I don't, okay. I haven't experienced like the degree of things that Tess is discussing, but I have in my own way been able to experience like sort of like brief moments and windows of elevating above the illusion and sort of like experiencing these like big bliss, big light, big like direct connection through my own lens to the divine. And I was really struggling one day with some people that I was working with in like my job. And I started to get that sort of like shitty attitude of like this is all bullshit anyway like you know fuck this work and fuck these you know like like I started to have that arrogant shitty like none of this means anything and you know like uh after everything I've experienced kind of thing like what why am I even you know engaging with this like it was just a shitty day and I had a shitty attitude and I remember really specifically um 
Shiva, who is like one of the devas or one of the big, big God avatar figures that I love and am close to, uh, when I was meditating, he like showed me something I had not considered before, which was that like the fully enlightened beings, um, and like at the time what I was kind of thinking the way I perceived it, it was like, Oh, what it means when you have like become fully enlightened or what it means, the difference between like God <laughs> and, or like an avatar of God in a human form and, and a seeker is like the ability to be large and into everything and also to be small and like um, present with like the individual circumstances of every being at the same time and to not like diminish what anyone is going through and to be able to like hold the whole context and the small context at the same time with like love and compassion and I was like my head just like exploded I was like oh my god like that is so wild to think about to be able to be like in the absolute of everything and to to choose not to eject into that bliss state at the expense of like being present with every person's experience I was like okay yeah this is a very long (laughs) process that we all have to go through like I'm like just have one foot through the door um maybe a pinky mm-hmm. toe so like we've got a long we've got a long way to go <laughs> it's it's like a spiral staircase you know yeah. where you get to that first step and you're feeling pretty good about yourself <laughs> because you feel yeah. like oh look at i'm so much higher <laughs> and then you get to another step and you can feel even better you know like oh god and then you get to like a third step and you're like oh wait uh <laughs> I think that there's a lot more steps than I could have possibly conceived of from the bottom. Um, Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, like I think about people who have like big internal openings, um, but don't have a direct relationship with the divine. And that's totally fine. Like they can do whatever they want. I have, I don't care. But for me, I'm like, I don't know how I would have ever oriented without like a divine entity coming in and like basically being like, no, <laughs> like this is not what you think it is. Like you are not as far as you think you like look at, you know, when you have the reference point of like, okay, this is what I can, this is a small amount of what I can perceive of their nature. And it is so far like incomprehensibly farther away from where I am, you know, like that, you know, you're nowhere close to perceiving the whole truth or being what you like ultimately could become, you know? And so that for me has like been the really important part of like continuing to have like, I mean, in, in inner currents, you guys call it bhakti or like love and relationship with with a divine personality. Um, and yeah, I just don't think I, I certainly couldn't orient to the work without it in a functional way. I don't think so. Well, I'm glad I have to give Jeffrey credit for that. Cause that was his yeah. idea. You know, that was his whole, I mean, that was what he, he told me too. That was one of the first things he was like, you know, if you really want to do this form a relationship with 
someone because that will carry you through. And you need someone who, when you are lost in the middle of the ocean, who will come like lift you out of the ocean and who you know and trust <laughs> because it'll be scary. Like they'll come in, they'll come in hot. It'll be scary. Um, yeah. And so that was, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's interesting. So sometimes I, I don't even understand why I'm doing like what we're doing, you know, like for me, intercurrence has been sort of like a pleasant, it just always feels kind of like a pleasant surprise because yeah. <laughs> I don't have a very strong desire to, teach or to be engaged you know like I like helping people but I don't have a strong impulse to do any of the things that we've done so I don't know where it all came from sometimes but we knew I, I knew after I went into the kind of bigger samadhi state that I ended up get moving into and then stabilizing that I wanted to eventually be able to give it to other people um, and that, that might have just been because at the time we were surrounded by people that were really wanting it. And so there was part of me that I was like, I think I can do this and I want to be able to do this. And but we also knew that we couldn't um, destabilize people to the extent that I was or to the extent that a lot of people um, end up in those circumstances. Yeah. So it was like, OK, what kind of samadhi? um switch is the safest one (laughs) yeah to go after obviously the blue which is what i did is not the one that we're gonna go after for people even though a lot of folks have had their own experiences with the blue from their own practices since which has been okay so people who are listening to this sorry just to give some context (laughs) people who are listening to this who don't like have any context for this when she says like a samadhi switch um and you can interrupt me if I'm incorrect, but just so people have some context, there's like, you know, our physical form and then our subtle form that is, you know, as complex as our physical form. And they're, you know, this is very overly simplistic, but they're, they affect one each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And when she says switch, there's a lot of different sort of like doors that you can go mm-hmm. through in the subtle body that can open up different kinds of experiences. And um, so, Tess went in through one door, which was what we call the blue, which is related to like universal consciousness. Um, but there's many different, you know, little doors inside of ourselves, and they have different effects and different orientations. And so um, that's like, I just want to give people context of what you no, mean. No, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's, it's just, it's one of these really hard conversations to have because we don't have common languaging for it. You know, the way that we talk about this stuff in the West, even though we're using the same words, not the way that it was originally talked about. Um, But yeah, that's, there's just a lot of different kinds of Samadhi that you can go into and actually going into a Samadhi state, like a temporary Samadhi state is not hard. And most people will do it during their lifetime. At some point, you know, it's at some point you're going to have that experience. Um, And it's a very natural experience human experience to have that for a window of time. And then there's all these other kind of um, points in our form that we can develop to a point that we're in a permanent samadhi state if we develop it to that point. So we knew that the blue was not one. Um, So Jeffrey found the safe one (laughs) that's associated with bodhicitta and compassion and community. And that one was the good one um, for, you know, 
the work that we would like to do because we want people to be stable and okay. And then the other thing was um, encouraging people to have this personal individual relationship um, with some form of the divine to help them through it because we don't have the ability to help people, you know, really directly. Like we can support people from here and talk people through stuff, but you need to have like a more solid. And this is sort of like kind of comes back, I think, to the original conversation we have, which I do, I think, actually teases (laughs) up pretty well to talk about Aquarius season. Um, But like, you know, you guys set up an organization where you kind of play this role of opening up a door for people to walk through. And then you provide, you and Jeffrey provide the support that you can to people, but everyone has to have an individual relationship with the divine to be their primary support system, which means that none of us have the same exact experiences. We have similar experiences, Mm -hmm. but we don't have the same experience. And none of us Mm -hmm. are headed to the same place. Like you didn't define Mm -hmm. an end goal and Mm -hmm. you don't play the role of controlling anyone's behavior or controlling what anybody Mm -hmm. does with their openings or with their experiences. So again, this is this sort of like this, it is a kind of radical orientation toward community, right? Because we've all had to play different roles throughout the process and we've all had to accept like, oh, Christina's acting like kind of a bitch because she's going through (laughs) like something really difficult and, you know, we're just going to give her space because she's processing a bunch of trauma that her, you know, um, like that the work has brought up for her and it's really difficult and we all understand and we're all going to give that person space or this person is really Mm -hmm. suffering and we've all supported each other in different ways and we've all gone through times where we've been like, had to go through anger or anger at each other, anger at, you know, whatever. And, but having the container of community that is flexible enough and not controlling and can like, you know, like fish, it's a, you know, like kind of shift its, its shape and hold space and welcome people back. Like when they, maybe they leave because they can't take it anymore and then they come back or whatever, you know, and, mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that's not too much detail, but I mean, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to go through, you know? Well, it's um, not, yeah. And it's not, I mean, I think that it's, it's difficult in any, like any social, di- social dynamics yeah. are just difficult. Um, and, we were just, and sometimes Jeffrey and I, like, it's really hard. It was really hard to determine what our role should be in certain Yeah situations like should we be more involved and at the end of the day I was always just like no I'm not I don't want to be an intermediary I don't want to be influencing or controlling like I'm happy to be to hold space and be compassionate and to hear people out but at no point am I going to be like telling other people what to do like that's yeah y'all got this you're all adults I trust you all (laughs) I love you all there's no reason for me to be yeah so so, i mean and again this is why i'm just always kind of in awe of the group of people because everybody is very 
naturally, I think, oriented toward compassion. Like everyone, you know, this is one of the big pursuits that we do really encourage people to integrate and that we offer a lot of stuff to support because for us, it's like the most important thing. Um, but And it doesn't feel like anybody is in conflict with that. Like it doesn't feel like anyone that's stuck around has had any kind of ideological difference that stood in the way of them wanting to yeah. have that be part of their thing. Um, so that makes a huge difference. And then also, yeah, that there isn't a lot of competition, which is yeah, one of the things about group dynamics. Like, it's yeah. one of the things about any group dynamic that's always driven me kind of nuts because I'm just so not, not competitive. Not competitive, even like as a, like not interested in a competitive, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, you win, you care, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's, it's meaningless. Yeah. Um, and so I, it, it's really nice that everyone has their own thing. Um, so there yeah. isn't a really strong sense of, um, yeah, everyone is just very solid, just very, very solid people that have come together. I don't think I can take credit for that. <laughs> I think that that's just kind of like well, <laughs> miraculous. Yeah, I mean, you you can't take credit for that, but you can take credit for creating the space and uh and and the sort of structure or orientation of the mm -hmm. space as like a non high control group, you know? And mm -hmm. it's really interesting as because I wasn't I don't think either of us were intending to have this long of a conversation about intercurrence. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm very happy to talk about it anytime. But I, I'm. it's interesting because I do think it's related in a lot of ways to some of the things I wanted to talk about in Aquarius. Um, some of the things I wanted to talk about as pertaining to Aquarius season and what we're going through. And it made me think about how actually – December 2020, when um, most of, like, we had already been meditating together as a group for a year, um, but December 2020 is when a lot of us started to open up and have mm -hmm. experiences that sort of led us to, you know, what we are today. Um, and December 2020 was... Um, the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction mm -hmm. in Aquarius um, that shifted the triplicity cycle. So this is like some deep timing shit, but the triplicity cycle is um, sort of there. It's the big astrological eras um, that shift us from being primarily in an earth era or primarily in a fire era or primarily in an air era and each of those eras has different qualities um and when jupiter and saturn made their conjunction in aquarius in aquarius that was a big shift to a new triplicity era and a big 20-year sort of emphasis um, on Aquarius as a sign. Um, so I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation like right the day after the Aquarius new moon, as we're preparing for like a super Aquarius stellium, which is on the horizon, um, in this next week. 
And I think that of anywhere in the Zodiac, Aquarius is where we would have conversations about community and the organization of community. And um, it's interesting because Aquarians, like Aquarius people, have an odd relationship oftentimes with being social, right? They tend to be a sort of unemotionally social, you know, um, and like to know a lot of people and be kind of like, to a certain extent, trendsetters or idea um, brokers for groups, um, but sometimes have a hard time feeling belonging in groups, but are, you know, really concerned with the collective and what is best for everybody. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think Aquarius is like the exact right setting to talk about radical um, acceptance within community and the way we want to organize ourselves around having differences and yet um, sort of operating in community with difference, you know? Um, and yeah, Aquarius has a lot to do with boundaries. Like where should the boundary be? You know, like, and who's inside of the boundary and who's outside of the boundary and how do we bring more people on the outside in? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me that, that we kind of like naturally had this conversation about, um, intercurrence and the, the sort of orientation that you have toward community right after this Aquarius new moon. Yeah, it's, um, it's just, it's really hard to imagine how a lot of the old social structures hang on. Um, cause you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we're talking about that being wel- like welcoming people into situations, yeah. right. And how weird that is. And I, I completely agree with you that I really like it when people are just willing to put themselves out there and yeah. just be in that awkward space. But I, I also have such a strong distaste for any kind of um, get to know you uh, yeah. like game or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like sit in a circle, everyone tell me something, everyone tell yeah. me something unique about you, you know, I, I, and I don't think that I'm alone in that distaste. No. And I think that a <laughs> like lot of, and it, it's just hard because a lot of what our social structure was, you know, was a lot of being the right kind of person, right? Like being this really narrow kind of individual that can fit into a very specific box and who's willing to be social in a very specific way and then creating all these weird uh like rituals around what you talk about and how you talk about it and who and where and when and all this stuff and so i think it's actually really good for all that stuff to go away right like let's just obviously scrap that but then we are left with this gap right of okay well now no one now we don't know what to do now we're just at home (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> working from well, home trying to make connections how do we do it it's like the question of how do we navigate 
um, how do we navigate a social setting that isn't dominated by um, like control-based rules or expectations? <coughs> and like, obviously we can't have no rules. Um, mm-hmm. But we have like, it's like, shifting the con like shifting I'm, I'm sure there's many people who have much deeper more organized like ways of approaching this but shifting into a space of agreement you know and mm-hmm. shifting into a space of like being really present to uh navigating I don't know. I think, I mean, I feel like you are really good at talking about this, but this idea of like what you can naturally accept and what you can't um, mm-hmm. versus having a set of like socially defined rules, um, but having like a, a naturally emerging sense of boundaries and a naturally emerging sense of like, oh, like I can be present to this conflict or this situation, or I can like participate in this this setting um and like checking in with yourself and and knowing like what what you can participate in and when your boundaries come up and what you can't and like Mm -hmm. um I don't have like good therapeutic language for describing it but it is a different there's a different kind of orientation that we have to break out of I feel like or Mm -hmm. a new orientation we need to develop and and we need to break out of a sense of I think there's a lot of like identity based um, ways of organizing groups that mm-hmm. I think have, have cropped up out of necessity, but also um, now have gotten to this point where it's like there's a predominant culture group and then like a million different like mm-hmm. smaller groups where it's like, oh, I d- identify with this kind of way of being for these kinds of reasons. And these are the rules of this group. (laughs) And this is how we navigate in this dynamic, you know, and then it just sort of like creates another hard or crystallized shape that ends up becoming like a high control situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know how. I think it's, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with um, trust um and the problem that we one of the problems that we have is this idea that trust is like the perfection of another person through our lens of what that should look like you know yeah i trust someone to be and say and do what i think they should do consistently um, or I trust someone if this person right if does they do and that says and, and, and if, thinks yeah right and it's not a good way of relating to people because no one is consistent all the time like it it just removes context from the conversation right like human beings yeah. we're not just content we are responding and relating to the context that we're in. And so, you know, most of us are going to be really, you know, reliable 
and consistent in certain parts of our life and with certain people. And then in other parts of our life, we might be more flaky or more distant or not as warm or, you know, and like we all have that, like that's just part of our makeup. Um, And this is something actually that um, Dr. Nikki talked about also is um, that there, you can only really trust yourself. Like you can't really trust the world until you trust yourself. Um, yeah. And to me, what that means is um, first feeling confident in your ability to be in difficult situations, right? Or to be challenged or to be triggered and to either and to respond in a way that you feel good about and so sometimes that's going to be um sorry the stairs um sometimes that's going to be sometimes it's going to be leaving a situation right or deciding i can't be in this situation this isn't good for me this isn't right and sometimes it's just going to be uh saying something and saying oh i don't like this could you could we do it another way? Is there another way this can happen? And sometimes it's going to be letting it go and then feeling okay about, you know, not directly engaging with something that was triggering you and working it out by yourself. Like there's not one right way of doing it. Trusting yourself to be able to move through these different challenging scenarios and your ability to um, kind of react in ways that you feel like good about and that you have volition over. So, you know, not being so reactive that you're going to go out into the world and something's going to happen and it's going to not going to be something that you feel like you can handle later. Um, Yeah. And I think that we have a big, huge issue in this country with people not trusting themselves, like only wanting the world to support a very like kind of fragile internal system (laughs) like i need the world to be a certain way i need to be around people that are a certain way and it's it's hard because i'll even like i mean i see this from all different perspectives like from the religious perspective from the conspiracy perspective from the political identity perspective from even like the kind of pop psychology healing perspective it's like I'm only going to engage with people that are doing this for me. And I'm not going to give people my time that aren't doing this for me. And people should do X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's, it's very much about what the world should give to us and very little about how we should process the world and how we should relate to the world and how we should decide that we want to interact with the world. Um, And, and I think that that's has to be one of the big focuses of, um, you know, if you're on a healing journey, if you're on a spiritual journey, if you um, want to be more social and it's something that's challenging for you, or you have kind of fears about career or any kind of engagement with the world, I think that's really where it has to start is being like, okay, who am I? What do I want? How do I deal with difficulty? What do I really struggle to deal with? how do I deal with people and circumstances and things that are in conflict with what I like to think and how I like to be? And we all have this, like this is, everyone's going to have to grapple with this because we all, you know, until we're <laughs> squinting at the illumined brightness of reality with absolutely no preferences because everything is God, like we're all going to have 
certain kinds of things. And then you can decide, you know, how do I want to be in the world? How do I want to interact with this? How much time do I want to spend on this? Um, and it that's kind of, I think, what opens the door to finding the people that you can be really closely connected to. Because if you're only looking at the world from a perspective, like it's like you have to be open to people being individuals and to being fallible and to being great in certain areas of their life and not great in other areas of their life and deciding how much can I be involved in this whole thing um, right. and how do I want to interact with this whole thing. Because if you think about it like that, then suddenly it just takes the pressure off of like, you know, what's safe and what's not safe and who can I interact with and who can I not, you know, like a lot of these really hardcore conspiracy people think that everyone who's not a part of their inner circle is the enemy and out to get yeah. them and microchipped or an alien or a demon or a robot or, you know, like there's like all these things yeah. that, and you're like, and and I'm not even going to say let go of those beliefs. I'm just going to say, okay, but would saying hi and smiling be a problem? Right? Let's yeah. say that that's all true. Let's say that this is all true. <laughs> but it. let's just yeah. say that when you go out into the world and you're interacting with all these like subhuman individuals that you're very afraid of, how are you going to feel safe in that environment? Could you smile? Could you interact with them? And like it just kind of starts to break down all these barriers, right? Because yeah as soon as you get to that point, as soon as you get to the point where you're just open to engaging in a friendly way without needing it to be a certain way, then it's yeah. like you get to discover, you get to rediscover humanity, which I think we could all use to a degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that is like a very Aquarian goal, right? Like mm -hmm. rediscovering what it means to be human and having a more inclusive orientation toward humanity and community in general, you know, and, um, you know, in Aquarius, we are thinking about the future, but we're also thinking about the collective. Um, and something is, something really interesting is happening this month. And I did a little bit of research um, on it last night because I'm not an expert on synodic cycles, um, but I'm very curious about the cycle that is renewing itself this month, which is the Venus-Mars synodic cycle. So all of the planetary bodies have cycles with each other, right? So um, every time they conjoin or have a conjunction, um, which is sort of like the essential you know, conjugal moment of the cycle, right? So you could imagine it's like the coming together and birthing, um, birthing a cycle, which for every individual is going to have a different effect or contain a different experience. The Mars-Venus cycle is a little bit more irregular than many of the planetary cycles because Mars's cycle is quite a bit more irregular. Venus and Mars don't necessarily have a conjunction every year. Um, and I think I'd said on the show previously that it's approximately every two years, um, which is sort of correct. 
but it's really like some years they won't conjoin at all. Some years they'll conjoin three times. Some years they'll, um, you know, just conjoin once. And I think I'm, I'm really curious and interested in what the different patterns might mean for our sense of collective um, volition, right? Because Mars and Venus together kind of create this dynamic for desire fulfillment. And desire is going to be related to our sense of volition, our sense of being able to do what we want to do. Um, So like, I wonder if on years when Venus and Mars never meet, like they never conjoin, if those years may feel like, oh, it's taking longer for us to sort of like get what we want out of the world or to kind of like take an action that's motivated by our desire or volition or to feel some sort of fulfillment. And it was interesting as I was looking back because um, really since 2020, they've only conjoined about every two years. Um, so like, I wonder if that kind of has created this pattern of sort of like delayed gratification or delayed sort of, um, a delayed ability to kind of take action on what we want or need. And something particularly interesting happened this past year. They hung out together in Leo for about a month and it looked like they should have conjoined and they never did like they never made it there um but they tailed each other they did this kind of like dance of like maybe they're going to come together maybe they're not going to come together and then we've had to wait about seven months um six months to get this conjunction that's about to happen in aquarius so I keep thinking about this and I'm like, okay, what does it mean that the planets Venus and Mars almost made their conjunction in Leo, didn't quite make it. Venus then stationed retrograde in Leo and had to move backwards to like go through this process of figuring something out, like going deep into herself, exploring her own desire, exploring her like forgotten desire, exploring the underworld and then reemerge and then spend uh, July, August, September, October, November, December, January into February. So approximately seven and a half months catching up to Mars so that they can can join again in Aquarius. And this is what's happening on the 21st. So um, about a week and a half. And I'm like, okay, what are the what are the values of Leo and what are the values of Aquarius, right? So Leo is the 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 soul. It's the sun. It's a it's a very individualistic sign. It's the sign of um, you yourself and your own authority and your own sense of um, your needs and your desire in the world. It's it's the lion. It's the king, right? So we were thwarted from sort of taking this active pursuit toward our own desires or goals in that location. And we were forced to wait 
for seven and a half months for this conjunction to happen in Aquarius, which is the sign of the collective. It's a sign of radical acceptance. It's a sign of inclusivity. It's a sign of considering what's best for everybody. And I wonder if it is sort of like a a cosmic or one of these planetary stories that's trying to reorient our internal desires to to first consider ourselves Leo like what we want but go through this longer process of then resituating ourselves within community and asking okay what's what is best for everybody and how can i orient my action and my desire toward a more collective sort of context or understanding um so i don't this isn't like a prescriptive like this is this is what this means but i just like pose this to everybody because i it's something i've been thinking about for a while and I do think it is reflective of the dominance of this moment, um, of, of the dominance of Aquarius in this moment, um, and the dominance of Aquarian values sort of like rising um, up for the next, you know, 20 years or so, um, according to the Jupiter-Saturn cycle that I referenced earlier, um, because there's something in this in the values of this sign that I think we're supposed to consider and consider again and come back to and like um, spend spend some time grappling with. Um, that was like a long diatribe, but <laughs> does it kind of make sense? Yeah, I honestly, I just can't remember like where, like it's hard for me to imagine every two years you know, like I can't, I can't think back and remember the quality of them. Yeah. Um, but it does, but it, and also because the last few years have been so intense that it's almost like I can't remember yeah. anything. Like, I don't remember how was it before all of yeah. this has been happening, but the last couple of years, I, I think for sure was like that, you know, we had this moment, it, it's almost like we've been kind of trying to come back and regain a sense of opportunity right like yeah. a real opportunity to be what we want to be in the world and how we want to interact with the world it's almost kind of like even just entertaining that thought process has been off the table for yeah. so long and then we kind of got some of it last summer like oh i think i would really like to do this and it was like delayed 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 yeah well i think there's been i think because we went collectively through this time where our ability to come together our ability to relate to each other our ability to be present with each other really was disrupted in a really significant way and um now we've had two major conjunctions of venus and mars which is like representative of our volition in aquarius since then which is a place where we're thinking about how do we all come together it makes me um it makes me wonder if just a lot of what what's happening is 
collectively and socially, we have to reorient our relationships and our sense of community and our ability to be in community before we can take sort of the positive, constructive, volitional action that we're that we want to take. Like community, whether we realize it or not, is like essential to human functioning, to our our happiness, mm-hmm. our ability to thrive, our ability to to have any sort of desire fulfillment, mm-hmm. really. Um, yeah. It's one of these really key skill sets, like the ability to just get along with people, you know, even if you don't like them, <laughs> You don't want to agree with them. You don't want to spend time with them. But it's it's like the ability to be genuinely present and get along with people is maybe one of the most valuable skill sets that you can have that's going to carry into every other yeah. part of your life and every other thing that you want to do. Um, it's interesting because I feel as though... And I know this is like a big generalization. I don't know how true it is for millennials, but I do feel like we consider ourselves to be a socially awkward people. <laughs> like there's just a lot of running jokes about it, right? Like feeling, oh, I'm an introverted and no, I'm awkward and I have social anxiety. And um, and maybe that's just part of not liking how the previous generations interacted because to us it felt very disingenuine and we couldn't relate to it. Um, So, you know, not moving for, you know, we don't have to be kind of glowing, bubbly, social, socially adept, engaging, funny, you know, whatever you're imagining, it doesn't have to be that. It's just, you know, can you be polite? Can you be present? can you know (laughs) yeah can we like orient ourselves toward at least enough like acceptance that we can create communities where we can all feel where we can feel some love and acceptance and practice loving and accepting Mm -hmm. others and they don't have to be big communities that include absolutely everybody but for different folks, it's going to look differently, but everybody sort of fundamentally does need that on some mm-hmm. level, you know? And-, yeah. and can and can we forgive people for not being what we want, you know? Yeah. Down to like all the really shallow nitpicky things, like how people present and yeah. how they talk, you know, because a lot of people have a lot of triggers around just really like benign things about people um you know and then where is your where's your limit (laughs) where's your limit of that like what's the how far you know yeah what's your like absolute no yeah being honest with yourself about it too it's I think this is like a really a potentially interesting couple of weeks because we have on Tuesday night, um, wait, no, hang on, scratch that, reverse it. Uh, let me look at the, yeah, Monday night and then Tuesday day. Um, so Monday the 12th at night and then Tuesday 
day the 13th and to some extent really the whole week because mars moves fairly slow compared to venus and mercury um but yeah so monday night the 12th mars is going to move into aquarius um and that is probably the trickiest um most volatile potential um configuration of the month because um he's going to hit pluto the second he ingresses into aquarius so what mars is going to bring is a sense of forward movement which is positive and a sense of energy which which absolutely can be positive so if you've been feeling like um like pluto has brought up a lot of stuff for you um if you've even feeling any unnecessary, like unusual fear or unusual anxiety or, um, yeah, unusual charge around Aquarian themes, community, the future, whatever Aquarius rules in your chart, Mars is going to move in and immediately there's going to be a feeling of wanting to do something about or with that discomfort or fear. And for some people, that's going to be like really positive and it's going to bring them energy to take action and do something healthy. <laughs> for other people, it's going to be um, like a, a, a potentially dangerous moment where people will feel a lot of anger and a lot of uh, desire to take aggressive action. Mars. That's what Mars can inspire. And it's particularly dangerous in a, in a group dynamic, right? Because if you're moving as a group and you're desiring as a group, and especially if you're in one of these high control situations where you're being told that to be the good and right kind of person or the smart, intelligent kind of person, you have to be attached to a certain vision of the world and you have to be attached to expecting a certain thing from the world. This is the moment when <laughs> Mars comes in and says, okay, it's time to take action on this. It is time to take up arms. It's time to you know, shake the system. And then if you have multiple groups of people um, attached to multiple different visions, you have a lot of people taking action on their vision and their attachments in a way that can look like very, can, can potentially look scary and dysfunctional in the world, especially if you're not a part of that group and you're not part of that vision, right? But that's what we're dealing with in Aquarius is ideals, visions for the future, the way that we want the collective to be organized. So this is why next week is a week that we have talked about for a while and and sort of like picked up on early on when we're looking at the year as a potentially trepidatious week right it's a week when we feel that there could be some challenges or difficulty in the world but it's also a time where mars is going to bring a lot of energy to taking action, which is positive for a regulated, <laughs> um, healthy individual, which I'm sure many of you are, hopefully all of you listening to this podcast are. And um, so I, 
encourage everybody to think about, you know, what they want to move forward in their life and take advantage of, of this sort of like dense energy. Um, and even if you don't have like a particular action you want to take, um, pay attention to, to what's coming up. Like, what do you feel like you want to do in the world? You know, what feels like really deeply important to you and transformational. Um, and then that's quickly followed on the 16th, which is looking at the calendar Friday of next week with Venus moving into Aquarius. And this is about a stellium, a stellium gets, right? So now we're going to have Venus, Pluto, Mars, Mercury, the sun, all in Aquarius at the same time. So that's five planets. <laughs> um, and Venus is going to come uh, come in and help kind of like smooth, smooth over whatever Mars and Pluto brought up. Um, she's also going to get sucked into her own Plutonian, <laughs> Plutonian um, experience. So the Venus version of, of that is like, you know, Venus likes things to look nice, to feel nice, to be connected. Um, Venus likes social dynamics. So Venus and Pluto are not as natural of a pairing <coughs> as Mars and Pluto. Um, but then a couple of days later, um, on the 21st, which is Wednesday of the following week, that's when Venus and Mars are going to make that conjunction that I was talking about, which is in a lot of ways overdue. Like, in it hopefully will feel like a moment where... Um, we're finally getting to sort of move something forward or take action on something we've maybe wanted for a while. Um, and the more open we can be to it looking different from what we originally thought, probably the more ready and, and the more ability we'll have to take a full advantage of the configuration of these planets. And um, <clears throat> I keep wondering um, if, you know, Pluto and Mars together might sort of call up or trigger something that feels like pretty serious in the world or feels serious in our life and kind of shifts our orientation toward thinking, okay, like we really need to figure out what's best for everybody here. We can't all be on like different ideological trips and like so committed to our, our ideologies that we're forgetting about everybody's like basic humanity. And then hopefully Mars and Venus coming together is sort of like a somewhat quick, um, not full resolution, but some <coughs> orientation toward trying to resolve, uh, trying to take seriously and move toward resolution of whatever like big conflicts might have come up the week before. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what this means. I'm sort of like reading the big symbols. I'm very curious to see how things play out over the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, Tess, do you have anything you want to add? Well, I'm trying to be more optimistic about it because I feel like this whole month, so many people that I know are processing through some pretty deep fear or having things come up that feel very scary. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's just 
the bulk of the month is just this kind of existential looming <laughs> dread. Um, and maybe, you know, nothing more happens because there's already um, plenty of things that are happening that are not good in the world right now. So perhaps we don't need another one. We can just be experiencing the feelings that Mars and Pluto can bring up. Um, but I do think on an individual level that if the quality of your year so far has been kind of busy and unfocused, and maybe you've had some of those uncertainties or fears that that's really going to turn around after the 21st, that this is still kind of like the processing window of time and where we're, um, and, and that uh, that week um, where Mars comes in, it might be that moment where you kind of get pushed, you know, you get backed into a corner and then you really are like, okay, I have to decide what I want to do and I have to decide what changes that I want to make and I'm going to do it. And then the 21st rolls around and you feel really good about it. <laughs> so it kind of springs up out of necessity maybe, but then on the 21st, you're like, no, that was right. That was the right thing to do. Um, because it's not like you'll get backed into a corner all at once. It's something that's been present and coming and that you've been aware of maybe that just suddenly is coming to a head and you have to really consciously make a choice about it. Um, so I guess my advice would be, if it's anger, like if what comes up during that window of time is anger, um, try not to get too wrapped up in it. Try not to act on it too much unless you have some really um, proven to be helpful coping strategies that you know how to employ well around anger. Try not to just throw it at other people um, as much as you can and, and instead use it as an exploration of what really matters to you. And how much, you know, we, like, what are the things that we can change in our life? Um, what things are really important to us that maybe we're not engaging with beyond just emotionally and mentally and desire-based that we would like to actually put into action? Um, so not a good, I would say not a good week for starting action, but a really good week for <laughs> planning action. <laughs> I think it's also going to be one of those weeks where it's good to keep in mind that like everybody is potentially mm -hmm. going through something mm -hmm. like immense and whether or not obviously for some people it'll take on a much more external flavor like there'll be an external event which brings up you know plutonian mm -hmm. themes like like uh, my, my mom for example is getting a heart surgery on monday um so, you know, going, that's like, that's a very externalized version of this, like the most externalized you could have, it's like your body, you know, going deep into the systems of your body. Um, you know, other people might have big conflict come up, other people might have, you know, a big destabilizing event, and some people are just going to be feeling like it all internally, or um, thrown off by stuff that's going on with uh, on with other people. Um, so it's a good time to practice like compassion and awareness of like, oh, interesting. Like I'm not the only person <laughs> experiencing something extreme right now. Um, right. If you, if so, someone yeah. steals your parking place, if people are driving aggressively or, you know, being harsh or rude, you know, just 
giving yourself that extra compassion space of being like, okay, this might not be who they are. This might just be a bad moment for them. Right. Well, (laughs) so exciting. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Um, I'm actually okay. Last time we talked, I wasn't super stoked about this month, but so far I'm feeling better. I'm like, okay, no, this is good. This is a good month. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I... I did add a couple of new readings to the site. So if folks are interested in knowing like a more technical or specific story around what part of their life Pluto is hitting um, Mm -hmm. and activating, I added a Pluto and Aquarius reading to my site. Um, So feel free to reach out to me for that. Um, and then, yeah, we're just going to continue to talk every week. <laughs> um, and we'll check in with everyone. And we'll see how everything goes next week. Um, and- I do want to say that the Pluto and Aquarius reading is really cool. Um, we did a little bit of it the other night. And yeah. it is interesting when you get to these really specific points, how specific you can get you know like you know we didn't do a full one so I think you just told me like three right, yeah. specific things and they were all just like yes 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 yeah and it was just very affirming about kind of what I'm processing and going through and I think for everybody else who was there too so yeah so if you're <laughs> if the lack of what should I be doing <laughs> becomes overwhelming <laughs> um yeah yeah Christina can really help narrow it down and help define that yeah i'm trying to think too about like pluto's transit through aquarius as a saturn issue as well and trying to think about stuff like in stages of like okay what is what did what will these couple of years look like when saturn's in pisces what will these sort of years look like when saturn's in aries what about when saturn's in taurus like i'm really curious about that right now um and how the conditions of the ruling planets affect certain different kinds of transits. I think with the long outer planet transits, um, that relationship becomes even more important and more highlighted. And so it's more fascinating for me to look at. Um, Saturn is going to renew his cycle with the sun um, on the 28th. And we'll spend a lot of time probably talking about that next episode. Um, But I'm really excited for that. Um, I mean, Sun-Saturn conjunctions tend to be like somber moments collectively, but I think they're really, 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 really excellent moments to check in with like your relationship to Saturn, what kind of Saturnian work you're doing, uh, how you want to maybe change your relationship to to boundaries, to rules, to your expectations of the, the big culture, because Saturn does have so much rulership over how we organize ourselves as a society and in groups. Um, and I think this this transit of Saturn through Pisces has been a really, really interesting time to get to know your Saturn work better. Um, yeah, I've I've grown to really like love Saturn and everything they represent. Um, 
So yeah, we'll talk about that a lot next week, I think. I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> um, Tess, do you have anything you want to add announcement-wise before we sign off? Um, we've got, oh, we've got the Matanji meditation um, coming up Sunday, which uh, is the first time we're doing it. If you're in the middle of some difficulty or exploring some life paths of stuff or um, how you relate to um, like struggling or letting things go or things breaking down um, or just kind of like the the difficulty of being a material being in the world. So if it's aging, <laughs> if it's, you know, it's just all these kind of things that, you know, decline, I guess it's like all, you know, everything goes through cycles and she is very much about the declining part of the cycle, which in many ways is more difficult than the ending, right? Because right. we still have to be in it and live through it. And how do we do that with joy? Um, and it's something that's come up for me and a lot of our peers right now, I think, is this, oh, we feel we're, we're old. We're feeling old. What do we do? <laughs> we're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting older. And that means, you know, certain things we don't feel as confident in certain things. We don't feel as able in certain ways. We have other things we have to manage for ourselves and our parents and our children and we're nowhere near the finish line. We are just in this, yeah, <laughs> in this window. So, um, if you're feeling any of that, she's the one that's going to help us um, find the treasure in those moments. And then next weekend, uh, Paige is doing a death meditation. And oh yeah, yeah. Paige so and those are really those are so those, good. Are, <laughs> those are those are very potent. <laughs> those are like come in, come in for some intensity so and I, lo I love them so we're doing that next weekend so yeah so if you're in the middle of exploring these themes we've got stuff for you <laughs> if you or just if it happens to be february the dead of winter when everything is dead mm -hmm. and you feel a little bit less uh lively right. i mean you guys like scheduled these at very intuitively accurate times um yeah. and then we've got our saturn so sun conjunction meetup at the end of the month right so we'll have um, Intercurrence will have a couple more meditations this month, but then Christina and I will have another meeting for Saturn. Um, yeah. Sun conjunction. So that'll be fun also. Yeah. That'll be like for the ongoing, um, like we have a group of people through Intercurrence that are doing like a long-term Saturn sadhana or a Saturn sort of devotional practice. Um, so I don't think it's a point in which like, people can newly join into that okay. process but I think it is an excellent time to show up and like just start thinking about Saturn in your life hear about some of the experiences that people have gone through um in engaging with Saturn directly and um trying to maybe start something for yourself or just be more aware of Saturn's work in your life um, and then Tess is going to do a remedial, um, meditation, which are always like really positive and helpful where she sort of calls in the planetary energy and, um, or planetary intelligence, um, along with, um, some of our like divine relationships, divine protectors and asks the divine to kind of mediate our experience of the planetary pull, 
uh, the planetary force in our life and kind of orient that force toward like the best possible outcome for our growth and development. Mm-hmm. So is that a cor- mm-hmm. correct assessment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and those are, and again, that's one of the astrology meetups that we ended up talking about <laughs> today. <laughs> Thank you for taking so long to talk about. Oh yeah. No, that today. was wonderful. I always love talking about intercurrents. So um, I do have to go, but I am excited to talk to you again next week. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. Bye.